Today, when I woke up, I went, as usual, the custom, and I, I go and I picked up my email. And uh, as I went to pick up my email, I got, you know, being a priest on the Internet, you get all kinds of different things. So one of the things I got today was from somebody, I don't know, I think it's this guy from Pittsburgh, I don't know how I ever got on his mailing list. They went and he sent me all this stuff about all the coming chastisements, and on the title of it, it was two-thirds of the world to be destroyed. And I thought, how nice. You know, and so then I go, and then he gives me all the Fatima prophecies, and he says about Our Lady is going to go, and she's holding back the hand of God because God is so angry, and he's going to destroy everybody. So I thought, oh, thank you, Jesus, you know, that you're going to come and destroy everybody. And I realized the reality that what we are called to preach has always been good news, not bad news. It's good news. And when we sit, we're going to deal with Paul today in his letter because I think he's going to give the most to it. Because in the midst of wanting to preach good news, we still realize that, especially in the last months, how many people, thousands and thousands of people have been killed by uh, earthquakes, by mudslides, by hurricanes, by all the things, and they're all living. And how do we preach good news when all these disasters are happening and all this stuff is coming? And when we do, we first, let's go, before I get into Philippians, let's go to Matthew chapter 22, the gospel today. Again, the, the gospel doesn't sound like a bunch of good news either, does it? In some ways it does, in some ways it doesn't, because God here, who is, of course, the king, gets very angry. Matthew chapter 22, the wedding banquet, verses 1 and following. So Jesus is talking what heaven's going to be. And he invites the people, the ones that were invited. In those days, of course, this was who? The Jews. But they refused to come and accept Christ. So then God says, go ahead and bring everybody in. And this is what God did when Jesus died on the cross. He redeemed the world. Everybody was redeemed. He says, bring them all. I want them all. I want my banquet filled. And so when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he redeemed you, me, everybody. Hitler, the whole world was redeemed. From the beginning of time to the end of time, everybody and everything was redeemed in Jesus Christ. Now that's good news, right? Yeah, I like it. But then we go on. In verse 11, chapter 22, verse 11. So after everybody's been redeemed, when the king came to meet the guests, however, he caught sight of a man not properly dressed for a wedding feast. My friend, he said, how is it you came here not properly dressed? The man had nothing to say. The king then said to his attendants, verse 13, bind him hand and foot and throw him out into the night to wail and grind his teeth. For the invited are many, but the elect are few. Now you see what this is about is about works that we can not only accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, oh, Jesus, I love you, I worship you, I glory, that's nice. But then we got to prove it by the way we live. It was so funny last night. I had a, uh, a wedding, it was a fine time. And a bunch of my kids who I had years and years ago, 10 years ago now, they're making me feel old, but a lot of these kids I had and I taught and I did retreats for, are all in different parts of the United States right now living with their girlfriends, not going to Mass. 
And so I cornered them last night and really got on their cases. And the one little kid who I love to death, Timothy, says, Father, I am a good Catholic. I said, you are a good Catholic. Oh, you don't go to church on Sunday and you're living with your girlfriend, but you're a good Catholic. Oh, yes, Father. Well, no, son. No way. And isn't it the way most people are that are Catholic? You know, give me more pagans in the world and 90% of them call themselves Catholic. They just do. I'm a good Catholic. Why? Oh, because I go to Ash Wednesday Mass. God isn't interested in you throwing him your little tidbits and saying you're a good follower of him. God isn't interested until you're ready to give him everything. That means you don't miss Mass on Sunday, period. You know, even in this congregation, there's you, those of you who still think that you can miss Mass on Sunday and get away with it. God doesn't care. Let me tell you, it's a mortal sin to miss Mass on Sunday. You die in mortal sin, where do you go? Hell, do not pass go, do not collect $200. I just want to hear you and make sure it's starting to ring. You cannot live sexually promiscuously and say you're a good Catholic. I'm sorry, that isn't good news, but I'm telling you that you got to click. Sometimes people want to follow Jesus on their terms. Jesus, I love you to be my Savior. I trust you, Lord. They don't want to be him to be Lord and in charge of every part of their lives. You and I must. We will be redeemed by Christ. We're brought into the banquet. But then he's going to say, you have not been living what I commanded you to live. You have not been living what I commanded you to live. Get out. Like I told him last week and I told you, God is not Barney. Hmm? We need to go and we need to embrace the fullness of God. Because if not, then chastisement will come. Of course it will, because we choose everything else but God. You know, and so that's the thing. So that is that part of the good news. Christ has redeemed us as good. But now we need to accept what he did by living in his life and being obedient to him on earth. And if we don't, then the bad news comes. He'll give us what we want. And it's not him. Now I want to go to the second reading. The second reading is today is the way I think, how do we deal with this good news and bad news? How do we deal with all this stuff that we have to deal with every day? How do we deal with uh, wars and rumors and wars? How do we deal with uh, people that, uh, you know, that are dying in floods, that are dying in mudslides in Mexico right now? How do we deal with all this stuff? Well, let's go to Philippians today because the Lord tells us, of course, as he always does. We go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and we started with verse 11 today. It was the second reading. This is the word of God to us. How do we deal with all this stuff? You know, and again, I said, oh, here we go. You know, and again, when I tell you all these things, I'm telling you this to encourage us to sit there and say, okay, where in my life am I not living as Jesus wants me to? There's no condemnation. I say it every week. But we got to know that God is in Barney, and we got to start living the way he wants us to live, most especially the priest in front of you. That's the way it is. I got to sit there and take the gospel seriously, and so must you. So here now, how do we deal with this stuff? In Philippians chapter 4, which is a joyful one, we deal with St. Paul. And verse 11 says, I do not this, I say this because I am in one, for whatever situation I find myself in, I have learned to be content. Now here's Paul. 
I have learned to be content. Now remember what kind of life Paul had. And he talks a little bit about it in the verse, next verse. I am experienced in being brought low, yet I know what it is to have an abundance. I have learned to cope with every circumstance, how to eat well and how to go hungry, how to be well provided for and how to do without. And again, in case you forgot what Paul had to go through, go to a couple different places here. Go to first to, uh, to Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, which is just a few things uh, back, verse 1, 8, 2 Corinthians, verse 1, I mean, chapter 1, verse 8. Here, Paul, one of our greatest saints, says, Brothers, we do not wish to leave you in the dark without, about the trouble we had in Asia. We were crushed beyond our strength, even to the point of death. Paul's saying, listen, I was crushed. I was despairing almost to death. Then he goes on another place. In 1 Corinthians, verse 2, Chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 3. Here he says, When I came among you, it was in weakness and in fear and with much trepidation. So here again, Paul, he experienced fear in his life. He experienced weakness in his life. He experienced trembling before others. And then we go on to 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. <laughs> and look at the poor guy, and we know how many times he was uh, shipwrecked, how many times he was beaten. I can't go through all the different things. But in verse 10 he says, chapter 12, verse 10, 2 Corinthians, Therefore I am content with weakness, with mistreatment, with distress, with persecution and difficulties for the sake of Christ. For here's the key. For when am I, I am powerless, it is then that I am strong. Now let's look at that key and let's see another side of St. Paul. And you can go, verse 1 of that same chapter, stay in that chapter. He talks about how great an experience of prayer he had. I must go on boasting, however useless it may be. And I speak of visions and revelations of Jesus. I know a man in Christ who is Paul. 14 years ago, whether in, he was inside or outside his body, I cannot so, say. Only God can say a man who was snatched up into the third heaven. I know that this man, wherein is in inside or outside his body, I do not know, but God knows, was snatched up into paradise to hear the words which cannot be uttered, words which man can speak. About this man I will boast. So he's talking about his experience, his glorious experience of God. Glorious experience of God. So here's a man that knows misfortune, that knows hunger, that knows thirst, that knows distress, and yet he talks about, I've also known the presence and the power of God in my life. And if we go then back to where we go, which will bring this to conclusion, is we go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. And here, which is right before the reading we just talked about, and we've talked about before, he says... When all this stuff, how are we supposed to live? Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. That when we are confronted with bad news, when we are confronted with my own weaknesses, my own misfortunes, when we are confronted with chastisements that they say, talk about in Fatima, when we are confronted with uh, uh, earthquakes and mudslides, Paul says rejoice. 
be content. Why? Because when we are powerless, God is strong within us. And then he goes in verse uh, uh, 13, if you don't have it underlined in your Bible, for, uh, chapter 4, Philippians chapter 13, verse 13, please underline it, because this is the key along with when I am powerless, I am strong. And then it says here, in him who is the source of my strength, I have strength for everything. Another translation of that is, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Now that we have our life put before us, now that we have all, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, next year. The only thing we know is the good news is that as long as I cling to Jesus as he clings to me, as long as I throw myself on his mercy, as long as I know that I have no strength, and who knows what the world in the future will bring me, but as long as I cling to Jesus, I will have strength for everything. That's good news. If a tornado comes through here right now and takes us all away, that's good news. Why? Because we're going to live forever with the Lord on high for all eternity. That's good news. And so when we come and we're confronted with all the things, we need to know that I can do all things in Christ who is my strength. You got it? You get it? Good. May each of you know his love today and forever. Amen.